Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. Welcome, 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 and good morning from the greatest city in the world, New York City. We are live. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on. And we are live. So if you want to call us, it's 800-848-WABC. I'm Alex Alexanian with my co-host. Brenda Bush. There we go. And it's the number again is 800-848-WABC. And today... We announced last week we were going to have a surprise show this week. That's right. And the surprise is that the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is going... Cats in danger for one hour. <laughs> for one hour, yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're switching back to dogs. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to dedicate a show to our feline friends, and we are a dog-themed show for sure, and we're not changing that. But we have compassion for the cats, too, and we have a lot of cat people out there who write to us and say, hey, what about those cats? And we're going to talk all about cats, and we've got a couple of great guests. And if you care about your cat and you have a cat story, this is the time to give us a call because as the phone lines start uh, flooding up, we may not be able to get to you. So 1-800-848-WABC. That's uh, WABC's 9222 if you want to dial it by numbers. But before we switch to cats, Brenda, let's talk about what happened in dog world this week. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what was the big story? Of doggies this week. Top story on Yahoo this week. Everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wally. Wally. This is obviously an artificial name they threw at this dog. But anyway. I heard a child named him. A child from the town they let name him from. You know, from the Disney movie. Right, of course. Of the course. robot yeah. who, who, who And if just you don't know die. what we're talking about, let's just lay it out, okay? What the story is. And you want to tell them the story, Brent? No, you tell them the story. Okay. So the story is that it's in Oklahoma and this uh, animal control officer, Scott Prawl, or P-R-A-L-L, um, goes through and kills, I think, five he puppies. He finds five puppies five in puppies. there. I think they have an overnight holding pen, which some shelters have. So right. he, he comes so in Friday. So they kill him the night before, mm-hmm. and, this, and they Friday. dump him in the garbage bin. Okay, This is what happens, by the way, with uh, puppies and all over this country. Anyway, so then the next morning he comes in into the garbage bin. And, and there's a puppy. That's alive. Oh, my God. Okay, now this, this puppy, according to this animal control officer, was injected twice. He was injected with uh, lethal poison Twice. in his in his heart. Once in the leg and once in the heart. And once in the heart. Now, did you get that? He was injected with poison in the heart. And the next morning, the puppy's alive and well, and he's walking around. Can you imagine? Around. That puppy spent the entire night in a trash bin right. of his dead litter mates. Right. Well, I, you know, I mean, that's terrible as, as it is. So anyway, what happens is this this guy tells somebody and somebody puts it on another website, a dog adoption website. Well, they took him to happened. the vet. They took him to their vet at that point, And the vet said, the puppy seems fine. So the vet tech uh, says, you know, we're not going to do this again. Right. And and fosters the puppy now. And they have hundreds of applications coming in from all over well, the country. Well, it gets out through the Internet that right. this, this thing happened. And everybody suddenly. The miracle puppy. Right. The who miracle can't puppy. Die. They call yeah. him Wally, you know, super puppy, you know, super dog. And he's the cutest. Oh, my he's goodness. He's adorable. If you have not, you know, if you have not seen this dog. Just this Google dog. it. Wally. So anyway, so Wally suddenly becomes this huge celebrity. Where is he? He's the top story in Yahoo. He's suddenly, they brought him on live on Good Morning America on, on, uh, on ABC this morning. I think he was on MSNBC. He may I have mean, a home by now, but they were sifting through hundreds of applications for this one puppy. So what gets me about this whole Wally insanity is the fact that so you got to die and come back from death for, you to, for your life right. to be important. If only you those people, that? if only those people were 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 there to it, you know, putting in adoptions for all the dogs who you know were in the trash bin. Uh, no, I mean, why is it that you have to go to die and come back before right. people say extraordinary oh, something is wrong? But that's with what, what it we're is doing. because death is not enough anymore. Now it it has to be extraordinary. Yeah, I you mean, have to come back from death. Right, killing the dog was not news. Right. Okay, killing it happens every beautiful, day. Beautiful, beautiful puppy. A loving puppy was not news. But killing him and the dog coming back from death, that was news. So right. he's he's famous. So He'll get a loving home, thankfully, and we are very grateful that little dog. Yeah, we, we, we put up a few. Um, what a will to survive that little one has. Well, it's a miracle. Obviously, it it's a miracle. And mm-hmm. people, you know, people kind of are, are taken to, hey, I want the miracle dog. But you know what? Go a little beyond that. Think about really what's going on, okay? For every Wally that survives, there's about you know ten thousand that die every single every day. day. Right. I know it's like overwhelming and stuff like that, but is that really what you want? The kind of world that you want to you know, live in? Because when we say millions, you, uh, you know, when we talk about millions, it's hard to get your your brain around two million every year. 
Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I We, we put up a little post on, on our Facebook page at Dogs in Danger, uh, facebook.com slash dogs in danger. And um, just a couple of interesting comments that I just read this morning. Okay, Michael Roker wrote, uh, they should euthanize some of the sorry-ass people in this country, not the dogs. And <laughs> Debbie posts But we get that response. post a lot to a lot of stories. So, <laughs> and no, Debbie no. wrote back to that, this guy should be investigated. Why would you euthanize a puppy? <laughs> Meaning investigate the, like, the ACO. Debbie, Debbie, what planet are you living in? Are you with us? That's what they do. <laughs> or where are you? <laughs> That's what happens every day across the country, and those puppies end up in bins. Yeah, it's it's it's... To me, you know, obviously that's a heartwarming story and it's one of these things that, you know, captures the public imagination and that's that's great and I, and there's nothing wrong with it. And, of course, the dog is saved and he's got 2,500 homes to live in right now. Uh, but what gets me is that do people realize that this is just a regular thing, that that, that little puppies get injected with these uh, – Thing, uh, these lethal well, injections you know, into the heart. Hopefully, not only day. will this one dog get a home, but it's going to raise some more awareness, and that's what we're all about. It's not happening. Do, so. Everybody's fascinated that the Don't dead dog Don't say that because I was going to pack up and go home. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not happening. People are not talking about what, why the dog was being killed in the first place. Well, we're talking about it, but not yeah, today. We're talking, we're talking about, about cats. Okay. Okay. So we're, today enough we're about, about dogs. Cats. I'm sick of dogs anyway. Let's get rid of the dogs. Bring in the cats. All right. <laughs> We'll be back just a minute after this break. There you go. I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures, we understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief, full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way, and Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. Dogs in Danger makes it personal, with names and faces of dogs on death row, and brings us all face-to-face with a painful reality. More than 45,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please, open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. Visit DogsInDanger.com and click Donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now, before they run out of time. Pets bring unconditional love into our lives every day. That's just one reason Best Friends Animal Society believes that every pet deserves a loving home. Best Friends runs the nation's largest sanctuary for homeless animals, but they do so much more. From helping community cats and delivering animals from overcrowded shelters and puppy mills to brand new lives, Best Friends and their members are saving animals from coast to coast every day. They're working with you and with humane groups all across the country to bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. Join them. Becoming a Best Friends member is easy. Just visit them online at bestfriends.org and make a donation of any amount. With a gift of $25 or more, you'll receive a subscription to Best Friends Magazine. Your contribution to Best Friends Animal Society will support their life-saving work and help animals both at the sanctuary and around the country. Together, we can bring about a time when there are no more homeless pets. To learn more and become a member today, visit bestfriends.org. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Welcome back. And the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour today has been hijacked by the cats. And our first guest is Becky Robinson, president and founder of Alley Cat Allies. And if you're a cat person, you know full well what that organization is all about. So, Becky, are you with us? Becky? Yes. Good oh, morning. There you go. <laughs> Good Fell morning. It took, the ma- it took the male voice to get her in there. That's okay. Good morning, Becky. How are you? I hear anything. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You bet. So, um, so we, I, I confess that neither one of us are are, are cat experts. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're dog so, expert. Exactly. So, um, so just just to give us an idea um, about how many cat owners um, do you think there are in the country? Well, there's. Um, more cats in homes than dogs. There's about 50 million um, wow. owners. That's a lot. And there's about 82 million cats in homes. Wow. 82 million. And, and uh-huh. how does that compare with how many dogs there are? Do you have any about idea? About 70 some million. Right. And of course, some of those are overlap, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there are people who have cats well, and not, dogs. Not I, many I with Siberian that. Huskies. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, but a lot of people do. Or dead Imagine cats, that. you may say. Are you counting so, dead cats in there? Stop that. <laughs> 
So, uh, so listen, um, you know, in, in in our research and just you know being being in this world, um, we've heard that that cats are killed at even higher percentages and higher numbers than dogs are. Is that is that the well, case? The, 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 the best available research, which is uh, from the 90s, from the, the industry itself, and we call it an industry, the animal control and the shelter industry is one that, that should be regulated. It's not. And they, they themselves did some research, and they found that uh, more than 70% of all cats that come into shelters are killed. 70%? 70%. And what kind of numbers? What kind of numbers are we talking about, Becky? Well, we see that's the thing. You know, the shelters are not regulated in our country. They they should be regulated by their state government and they're not. So they don't have shelters do not have to report what they bring in. They do not have to report um, if they adopt out. They do not have to report how many they kill. Now, the 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 issue with feral cats is that we've kind of had this this um uh, standard operating procedure in our country for decades. And we all know it is catch and kill. And we all know that it doesn't work. And yet it's a rote. It's very mindless. It's rote. It's unethical. It's very costly, obviously, to a, the taxpayers to have our shelters operating this, this methodology that goes nowhere. It's fruitless. And yet it still exists in this country. So if we knew how many, that's the first thing that Alec Catalyze has, has been um, uh, saying. You know, that's the first issue that, that is, is so important that we have to know how many. So you don't so even know how many cats. There should be record-keeping and reporting that's mandatory. Right, but the estimates that are out there are uh, are above 2 million a year. Right? Oh, oh it, who, it could be many, It could be much more could than that. It could be 4 to 6 million a year. Oh, it could be much right. more than that. Yeah. So you have no idea. They don't report... If there, if there are baby kittens brought in, if there's a litter, they don't even count whether it's three or five or whatever. So if you're talking in numbers of terms of lives, it, it could be many, many, many so more what's, what's, than what, what we would suspect. Becky, what's the average litter? Oh, well, first-time litter would be about five. It could be higher than that, seven. Um, and when then? a cat has his second, third, fourth litter, it's usually not as high as the first. But, you know, that's a pretty average litter, three, five. Three? And how many, uh, how many litters does a cat have in a lifetime? Well, they can have, um, uh, you know, two. I was just in, in Texas. Um, they're going to have probably three litters. There's going to have three kitten seasons, and we'll have two at least up here. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know. You're talking per year. Per year. Yeah. And how many yeah, years? Per year. How many years can a cat reproduce? Oh, for several years, obviously. So um, one cat can make uh, 50 yeah, I kittens mean, you're, in, you're, in a lifetime? You're talking about a, a reproduction rate. You're also talking about that there's a, a mortality. I mean, if a, a, a mother cat has kittens, not all of them are necessarily going to, to make it to the, the maturity, you know, 8, 10, 12 weeks to make it to adulthood. But here's the thing, that the... Um, the, the 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 threats the death rate to cats the um, highest documented rate of killing is in our shelters. What's killing cats is the euthanasia air quotes euthanasia. Right. They're not dying well, on the streets, right? They're dying well, no, in the shelters. Cl- clearly, clearly. Uh, where where, where are all the cats, Becky? Excuse me, but where where are all the cats coming from? I mean, all these cats that are coming in seventy percent, millions and millions and millions that are being killed in the shelters. Where are they coming from? I think that there's a combination of the fact that we've always had cats living amongst us. We've fought for thousands of years. People and cats have coexisted. And in this country, it's no exception. And I think that there's people don't know. It, quite frankly, there might be a few people that call in and say they have concerns about cats. And the option offered to them is to bring them in and, and have them killed. They don't know that. They think they're going to be adopted. Right. Yeah, but the great majority is not coming in that way. I mean, the great majority of cats that are coming into the shelter Are they system, surrenders or ferals? Yeah, they're where surrenders. Are they or, I mean, where are they coming from? Well, I think that, that back to the reporting, that's exactly what we wanted. The research has not been done. The research is, is that there is there are shelters that allow anything and everything to be brought in. So there might be baby kittens that are found, and a mother just had them, and they'll bring the baby kittens in. A lot of people think that the shelters are going to help. A lot of people think animal control, that this is the right process. They're not always, they're still, to this day, the public is not, it's, the, the truth isn't shared with them. There's not this transparency. Right. Well, hopefully well, we, we're trying we to do that, that today. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that we know, not just cats, but dogs. Yeah. So dogs they, too. No, no, we they, know the secret world of the shelters. They're not told they're going to be killed. 
Oh, absolutely. We know the secret world. I think we're going to probably do a show about the secret world of shelters. It's, it's, right, it's, and the lack of transparency. Oh, it's abhorrent. It's abhorrent. The and way and on our website, that there, we um, have had people now who have had this experience with shelters um, submit their testimony. So that, you know, that could be part of the show, is that what people are told and what happens. Yeah, yeah, we know that. So let me ask you another question. Let me just change direction for, direction for a second, Becky. Um, we know that there are cat people and there are dog people. Okay, I don't really understand the difference between cat and maybe you can tell well, me. But well, Alex thinks there is, for well, sure. I definitely, there's there's cat people and, and dog people. Um, will the two ever meet? Oh, well, they, they already have. Um, we the, the people that have contacted Alley Cat Allies, and there are now, you know, millions of people that care for feral cats. This is a very common um, activity. They are compassionate. They are empathetic. They see a cat. They do, want to do right by that cat. They may put out food and water. They also call for help, and when they can't find the right help, they have to figure it out on their own. And many of them have, and we have lots of stories of people saying, you know, that, 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 that come to Alley Cat Allies, and after helping, trapping and neutering and returning feral cats, you can find all, uh, all about that at alleycat.org, how you do that with a humane box trap. They have called us and said, you know, we just wanted to do the right thing. We've never had a cat. We have a dog. And now this is what we are. We're helping a colony of cats. And so they already exist. And it's because the, the, because people who want to reach out and help animals, they, it's, a, it's a natural tendency. It's, mm-hmm. It should be embraced. Our country should not... Um, should not look look upon this as something that's unnatural, and that's what the the shelter when they call the shelters, they're not necessarily going to get advice on trapped. Right. Well, this return. is this this is true for all animals that end up in a shelter, especially dogs. But uh, switching back to cat people and dog people, um, many people have the impression, including myself, this guy here, um, that cats don't bond with their owners in the same way right. that dogs do. Okay, tell us a little bit about it. Is it true? Is it myth? I mean, this bonding thing that goes on between a guy and his dog does not happen between a guy and his and his cat. Well, certainly, certainly, when <laughs> when people look when people see feral cats, they see a cat, and they think about if there's a, a cat in a home, um, that cat's probably going to be bonded with its folks. It might be a lap cat. It might sleep in bed with you. We we have um, a cat who is really attached to my husband and follows him around, and I would say probably more so than a dog would in many cases. And so they're, they're extremely bonded. They, they know our voices, obviously. They pay attention to our routines. So I would say it's, it's quite similar, and that the affection that cats have and um, the personalities that they have is, um, I would say that, that the fulfillment and the interaction and the relationships are identical to those um, with, with, that people have with their dogs. So, you, you think so, um, huh? Because most cat, people won't agree with you. What's that? A lot of people won't agree with you on that. Well, I think just just because they won't agree, they haven't had that experience. Right, exactly. right. Experience. right exactly. Right. People think that about dogs, too, until they have the experience, exactly. and then it changes everything. Right. Exactly. Right. But, but cats, in general, are a little more independent uh, and aloof than dogs, don't you think? It, it, pro- probably, but I've, I've met a lot of dogs that are pretty independent, and they like each other. Right. And feral cats like their colony. They're, they're bonded with their colony, but they also hear the caregiver's car, the caregiver's voice, or, you know, if I go and take care of a feral cat colony today that's yours, you know, they probably won't know me. So even feral cats that are not lap cats, they're not socialized, they're, they are domestic cats, they are protected under all the same anti-cruelty laws that any other cat is, any dog, um, but they're not going to be able to, to be brought into homes. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're going to crawl under a, a, a bed, they're going to climb a curtain, they're not going to be lap cats at all. Right, but right. those cats can also interact with humans and, and understand who they are and um, so we have an interesting relationship with cats because of that. Feral cats have a different kind of a, a place in, in uh, well, they're, yeah, they're world. They're in a different world, yeah. They're in a yeah. different league, yeah. But let's, let's discount for size difference. Obviously, a 68-pound dog versus, you know, or 86-pound dog, you know, versus a small cat. Um, you can't really look at it in, in the same. I mean, the teeth are huge on the dog <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. Alex, right? Alex but, thinks that cats are ferocious. Well, I, I'm going to ask our guest <laughs> if she thinks they're more ferocious than on dogs. an index basis. Okay, obviously, they're not going to cause the same damage that an 80-pound dog is going to do if he mauls you. But are they more ferocious, meaning, you know, uh, kind of more desire to go after the jugular? Oh, 
gosh, no. In fact, that there's, you know, there's definitely the flight, not the fight. And the, the flight meaning that, that they um, cower and they retreat. And only if they are, are def- if, if they're cornered and they're, they're um, directly threatened, they're going to defend themselves if they have to. But even in that case, I've seen feral cats in the back of a cage where they just cower. They, they do not lash out. They might hiss to defend themselves, but they do not lunge. They do not attack. Hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I, that they're not going to fight unless they have to. I th- they're not going to fight unless they have to. The mm-hmm. only time I've seen um, something with my own very eyes is that there was a small little trail where there was a feral mother cat with her kittens, and the dog. There was a dog that was off leash and went right up to where her little nest was, and she she lunged at him. She didn't even draw blood, and um, uh, she was protecting her babies. Of course, any 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 mammal's going to do that. Well, all, I mean, there's the also point. the anecdotal evidence and stuff that we see and we've heard about. For example, a cat finds a mouse. You know, he doesn't just kill well, the mouse and pr- eat it, but he plays and he tortures the mouse before he kills it. I mean, a dog will not do that with a mouse. I mean, we we have dogs that are somewhat ferocious, and if they find a furry thing, they're going to just tear it apart and eat it. I mean, just like we limp to limp. We don't but have a cat won't just dogs. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, one of us does. He's waiting for cats to go vegetarian, I think. I don't oh, know. I see. Yeah. I, see. I see. Not happening. Not happening. Um, are the surrender rates for cats higher than for dogs, do you think? I mean, do you know anything about the surrender rates well, for cats? Well, no, I, 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 I don't think that we can say. I know that the adoption rates, um, roughly nationwide, are about 24% of cats in shelters are being adopted. About 1% to 2% are returned to owner. So it's, a, it's, you know, in the words of even the animal control um, director I'm familiar with, it, that it's abysmal. It's yeah. No, it is. It is. It's but a very about, low what, number that are being What about returned. the surrender rate, the opposite side of the adoption, the guys that are, you know, to turn and that, that well, take that, it, that the cat in? We don't in. know because that's never been reported on. So there are right. no studies at all that show what the, the surrender there, rates are. There's very few studies out there, and I think that the surrender rate, again, um, you know, what, what they're saying, there's been a handful of studies about why not not the rate of surrender but the why of surrender Hmm. and what do they say what's the why well i think there's 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 multiple reasons um you know one there there is certainly with um cats the issue that if they're not spayed and neutered so that's probably the one the number one thing that we want shelters to be doing is when they are adopting that we want the shelters to be neutering before adoption that should be something that shelters that's a that's a social issue um you know we have response those shelters have responsibilities and it's it's the absolute smartest thing to do no longer should we be having shelters give out little spay vouchers because not everyone who takes that pet home that cat home are going to have it uh, um, spayed or neutered right and so it should be automatic you know nba neuter before adoption so you know we the 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 rate of what we're watching and what the success rate is we're getting smarter in our shelters you certainly have a lot of progressive trends um, and there are a lot of changes. There's even spay-neuter clinics on site with shelters. Um, so, and we're and we're neutering kittens as we should. It's very sound. It's medically safe for kittens two pounds, two about two months of age, at about two ma- months of age, um, two pounds if they're healthy, um, to be spayed and neutered before they go into their homes. Are so there that's a very smart thing to do? Are there um, trap neuter returns uh, here in New York? Do you know? Yes, there's quite a few trap mm-hmm. to return. There's um, uh, uh, programs that, that you can go to our website, alleycat.org. They're, mm-hmm. they're all mm-hmm. over the, the different boroughs, and there's individuals, and there's spay-neuter days, and there's traps available, um, and there's a, quite a few people in the, the New York City and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a few people. And we have a link. Actually, we have some, uh, some links to those organizations on our website as well, along with uh, Alley Cat Allies. Wow. So and, and so what should, what, should a, um, what should somebody do if they find a stray cat or a feral cat walking around? Well, they shouldn't take it to a shelter. They should do just exactly what you said, is that they should find the resources. Um, fortunately, they're not difficult to tap into anymore. Um, and they should uh, go ahead and, and feed the cat if they, unless they've found the person who's feeding the cat and get them on a schedule. And um, unless they're injured and you should find a vet to take them to a, a, a 
uh, veterinarian right away. But but they're you know our experiences are that they're in good shape. They're very healthy. They're re- we have research that shows feral cats are as healthy as pet cats. In homes, that's, and that's they can easily be taken to a program where they're um, anesthetized and neutered and vaccinated against rabies and ear tipped. Of course, everybody knows the sign of a, a, a neutered feral cat, right? They're ear tipped. Yeah, I guess so. But let's they bring do in, now, Becky. <laughs> let's let's bring in Judith, who's been holding on the phone. Uh, of, we have a caller. A, yeah, mm-hmm. we have a caller that that's been holding on the phone, and it's interesting because uh, she does not like the term fer- feral, feral, for some, mm-hmm. feral for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Judith, are you with us? Yes. Hi, good morning. Good morning to all of you, and thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate it so much. I'm a wildlife rehabilitator here in New York City, but I truly ex- uh, object to the word feral because I have in my lifetime, and it's very long, never, ever had an animal, whether dog, cat, whatever, that I couldn't turn around within two weeks sleeping out of my bed. They are not wild. They're scared. They're trying to defend themselves, and they're terrified of humans because the humans have done such dreadful things to them. But these animals are blessed, and they uh, will come to you and love you and adore you within no time if you just treat them the way they deserve to be treated. That's an interesting perspective. What do you think, Becky? Do you think that a feral cat can be... That's a very good experience that she's had, and there are cats that are um, can be re-socialized. I, I, I would put them in the category of stray. But and, all and of them you're can. Right, if they're not wild, if I could just interject, they're absolutely not wild. That no. is a true statement. None of the, the domestic cats. But there are cats that are not going to be turned around in a couple of weeks. That, that, that's a very I've broad never had one that I could That's your experience, ma'am. I'm talking about the millions of cats that people are caring for that are not being, that are, they're not turning their, they're they're not being turned around. They're not being socialized and brought in. There are a lot of cats that are not going to ever be, um, socialized and placed in homes. That doesn't mean that it doesn't happen in your experience. I'm not questioning or doubting what your experiences are. Um, but there are millions of cats that, that live in colonies and are going to continue to live in colonies. And, and that's been my experience and the people that we've helped, the, the th- tens of thousands of people that have called Alley Cat Allies, are caring for cats that are not going to be, that ha- after years are not socialized and brought in. See, I, I will disagree with you, but I thank you for what you're doing. We're trying. I thank you for bringing this issue to the public because this has been my life. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> ferocious uh, animal rights activist. Good and, for you. And well, I'm one of the ones that started it here in 1960, and I continue. I'm going out now to do my uh, wildlife rehabilitation, but. This program is magnificent. You're well, bringing these issues up. I'm so. How much are we paying you to say that? Again? <laughs> That's not. Thank no, you, Judith. Judith. Thank wonderful. you. We appreciate that, Judith. You're wonderful. You're wonderful, all of you. Many bravos and much appreciation and respect to all of you. Thank, thank you. Thanks thank for calling thank in. So and keep listening. We're mm-hmm. going to break for commercial. Uh, can you hold on with us, Becky, for a, for a second? Sure. We'll thank have you, you back for the next section. Hold thank on. Thank you. Hold on. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought. Millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country. And we realized there was no way for the public to know which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created DogsEndanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea, and more than 45,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families everywhere. In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger needs your help to keep saving lives. If you believe, like we do, that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to dogsindanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 a month will help us continue our life-saving mission. Donate to dogsindanger.com and do something good for your soul. Gain a body, save a life. Dogsindanger.com I'm not afraid. I'm Norman Seabrook, president of the New York City Correction Officers Benevolent Association. The mayor of the city of New York, Michael R. Bloomberg, has declared war on municipal workers, including correction officers and their families. His position is that we should work until we're 65 years old before we collect the pension. His position is that we should lose all the benefits that we negotiated and earned the old-fashioned way. That is unacceptable to us. He's also going to destroy the private sector. 
If we have to work until we're 65, you have to work until you're 85. You have to give up and surrender some of the benefits that our families depend on. Municipal workers in this city built this city, built this state, built this country. It's Wisconsin today. It's Ohio today. It's New Jersey today. It's us tomorrow. We are not your bailout package or your stimulus package. Mayor, we demand to be treated equally with dignity and respect. Not just today, every day. I'm not afraid. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. Wow, that guy sounds tough. We are I'm not scared. Your, I'm going to try to do that one. We yeah. are not your bailout package. You don't mess with the corrections officers. <laughs> wow, that's a hell of a spot. And we have gone cat crazy. Okay, this hour of the morning, we have been gone cat crazy. And we're going to bring in our second guest because we're moving along. and We've got lots of other interesting questions. Uh, Shelly Cotter with Best Friends Animal Society. Shelly, she's campaign specialist focus on felines. So she is their cat expert. Oh, I, I love cat experts. <laughs> Or yes, catty experts. You're not a catty expert, right? You're a cat expert. Oh, catty. No. Right. no <laughs> good morning, Shelly. Good morning, Shelly. How are you doing? Well, morning. I have a good night for you out there. Where are you? In the West Coast, right? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm mountain time. Mountain right? time. Yeah. Well, that's No big enough. deal. <laughs> you got to be at least a three-hour difference for us to have sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't make okay. it. It's two hours. <laughs> And I so, bet your cats looked at you like you were crazy when you got up this morning. Yeah, they're they're a little confused. Right. But. Now, now wait. How many cats do you have? You never ask that question. I'm trying to teach him. You just it's just it's like asking a woman her age. You don't ask how many dogs. Why is that? Why is and you don't ask asking, how many cats? What, what, well, why is that same as asking a oh, woman her age? Oh, funny. I have no. I, I still don't know the answer. <laughs> so, how many cats do you have? Okay, I do have seven, but somehow I managed to find a husband is, anyway. So, wow! After the seven cats? Yeah. Wow! After I like seven? this guy. Okay, Wait, you had seven when you met the guy? I actually had five, and he brought two, so I knew he was like the, the Brady Bunch. <laughs> okay, how many dogs do you have? We have two dogs. Oh my god! That's a house phone. Oh, see, no complaints. Seven I want no complaints at our two house. Two dogs. <laughs> my, okay, what kind of dogs? I have um, a little rescued rat terrier, uh, rat terrier from Iowa, and a blue healer. And they all coexist. Yeah, they clearly. Do. Yeah. No, no attacks. Well. No bloodbaths. Not at all. <laughs> Jeez, I can't believe that you are such a good guest. I can't believe that you are a. <laughs> How about we move example? on to some of the questions on the list? How about that? <laughs> so, Shelley, why are um, why are the populations of cats out of control? Well, um. Kind of like rabbits, um, un- left unattended and unchecked, um, they continue to breed and breed and will multiply um, according to what their surroundings will allow. Um, meaning if there is plenty of food and shelter source, then the cats will, will um, have babies until they fill that void. So the, the problem is that uh, there's really no impediment, natural impediment for their not growing, basically. Well, in certain areas. I mean, in certain areas, it yeah. depends. It, geographically, it depends on where, where you're at. Uh, obviously, the colder climate areas have less cats, but if you're, say, um, in Florida, you're going, the, the cat populations are huge because the, um, the, the mating season is all year round. And there's plenty of, mm-hmm. you know, food around and exactly. garbage around. It doesn't right. make a lot to feed a cat, obviously. Right. Right. So, boom, they just grow out of control. But, but, um, but uh, our, our earlier guest, um, and I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the first uh, half of the show or not, uh, was saying that feral cats uh, live pretty full and healthy lives outdoors. They actually do. Um, you know, I've, I've been all over the country, and I have met lots of different cats in different areas, and I'm amazed at how resilient they are to their surroundings. Um, even in the coldest of climates, cats can thrive and do well. So is this like a recent phenomena? Are cats out of control more now than they were 50 years ago or 100 years ago, you think? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think more than what's happening is we're finally becoming aware of what's going on around us. Um, the more we talk about this subject, the more people are starting to notice and realize that um, this has been a situation been going unchecked for many, many generations, and it's time for us to start stepping up and helping these guys. So they've basically been kind of out of control from that perspective forever. Yeah, I believe so. And but is it the same all over the world? I mean, other countries have the same issues? You know, it's, it just depends. I know that in Europe, um, it's really um, it's the law to have your pets spayed neutered, um, and you and cats are um, no exception. So, in different places in Europe, they actually have a very low incidence of um, free roaming cats. 
Um, but mm. then again, if you're in Australia, say that again, went on way unchecked, and, and that's been going on for quite some time. So I think it just depends on the um, the area that you're that you're looking at. But it's really? interesting what you were saying earlier, which is there's there's sort of a natural in in certain areas where they have shelter and they have food. There's a, a natural uh, state of balance that they find. Yes. And so that number is going to repopulate itself and find that state of balance again, even if they do what they've done traditionally, which is come in and collect them all and kill them. Exactly. Exactly. And so if you can just. Um, get the cats that are initially there, fixed, spayed, neutered, vaccinated, that will help stabilize that. Um, it, it will keep other cats from moving in and obviously new babies um, from coming into the colonies. So right. you're able to um, stop that cycle. Have you seen, I mean, are people losing interest in adopting cats? Do you think there has been a decline in people's interest in, you know, bringing a cat home? From um, a shelter, you mean? Yeah, yeah, no, I actually think it's actually getting better. Really? Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I mean, I've been working with um, Best Friends for about 12 years, and I have seen a, a big change, a big change um, in the way people are viewing cats. Um, cats have been traditionally known as the throwaway pet. Anything you can find, you know, your neighbor has a litter, you look in the paper, there's a litter. You go down to the grocery store, there's a litter, you know, um, up for free. Um, but I'm noticing a big change. I'm seeing less and less of that. More people are actually going to the shelters. The hard thing about going to a shelter is not knowing, you know, knowing that you may have to leave somebody behind. But I think that more and more shelters are are doing better in that way, and they're um, advertising and marketing their kitten kitties better. And I'm hoping that someday um, that everybody will be going to our shelters and rescue groups to get their kitties. Right, oh, and, and there's yeah. more, you know, uh, off-site and boutique-style pet adoption centers that foster because dogs mean, the, suffer the, from the same problem. People, I mean, I know so many animal lovers who say, "Oh no, I can't go to the shelter; it just breaks my heart." Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean that's the same problem. But I mean, uh, cats are being killed at seventy percent rates. Huge rates. Seventy yeah. percent of the cats that go into a shelter come out the back door, not the front door. But we don't know what percentage of those cats are adoptable versus unadoptable. You well, know, let's, let's talk about that. Let's yeah, let, you know, here's the thing about a cat going into a, a shelter, especially if he's coming in a trap, um, he's often going to display um, behaviors that are not like a house cat, even if he is a house cat. Sure. So he then is deemed feral, um, and, and shortly they're euthanized according to the shelter's policies. Hmm. So those cats just never even have a chance. Right. Now, you know, and then there's, there's so many cats that are dying in shelters that are friendly cats um, that, you know, should have been given a chance for adoption. So let, let's talk about feral cats. Let's define feral cats so that, you know, people that don't exactly know, right. like I didn't know. Um, What's the difference between yeah. a stray cat and a yeah, feral cat? Yeah, what is a feral cat? Well, and that's a really interesting question. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, te- technically there is a difference, okay? The feral cat is the uh, elusive one, the one you likely don't see. That's the one that comes out at night and prowls and hunts and things like that. He's the hissy, spitty kid. He's not going to let you pet him. He's not going to want to be seen or touched. Um, and if you were to try to adopt him, he would hide up under your bed and you would never see him. But the problem is, is that not all cats that are living in our communities are feral, feral cats. These are strays. These are dumps. These are kids that have run away or lost um, or have been left behind by their families. And so they found themselves having to, um, to try to, to acclimate themselves to a feral life. Um, so these cats um, that we are seeing that are dying aren't necessarily all feral, um, but friendly cats that um, have otherwise been, um, you know, so they get miscategorized. Right, exactly. How the hell can you tell, right? Yeah, well, and, and the thing is that they, uh, they all need to be fixed. They all need to be spayed and neutered. And our big goal now is to just keep them out of going, from going into the shelters in the first place. If we can right. keep them from entering that front door, um, then our euthanasia rates will drop dramatically, whether so, they so be if someone a friendly finds, or a feral. So if someone finds a free-roaming cat in their neighborhood... Um, they shouldn't just assume that the shelter is the place to take it for safety. Absolutely. It's not the place to take it for safety. And, and that is the case for a friendly or a feral, because even though um, feral cats die at obviously a much higher rate in the shelters, a friendly cat doesn't have much of a chance either. Right. right. Well, 70% is the general, but from what I heard, it's basically 95% for feral cats. They go in and they're ba- it's basically a death sentence for them. It, it is. But and so what we need to do is if you see a community cat in your neighborhood, is what you instead of calling the shelter, unless you're calling the shelter to burrow a trap, is to locate your local TNR programs, trap, neuter, return programs. They'll help you get that cat spayed, neutered, vaccinated, and ear-tipped. Um, and then released back into your neighborhood. And right. I know and we have a program like that. that in Westchester County, and there are programs like that in mm-hmm. New York City and the boroughs as well. So, Right. 
But before we talk about the trap neuter uh, return program, let me ask you a, a question. I mean, a logic question. A kid is walking down the street and he sees a cat. He sees a, just a cat walking around. And he obviously is attracted to the cat and goes up to the cat and tries to pet it. How smart is that or how dangerous is that? I think that probably would depend, and I actually just had this conversation in when I was in New Jersey. It depend on your, um, your rabies and things like that that's happening in the area. Um, like here in Utah, we have a very low incidence of rabies. Um, however, most cats, I, I, I guess this is coming from the crazy cat lady, um, if you are going to go walk up and pet a cat, that yeah. cat's generally friendly. Right. Um, because I promise you, you're not going to walk up to a feral cat. You're not going to get close to a feral cat. You're, not, you're likely not to see it. And, you know, when I'm out um, doing TNR, uh, the cats that I see are the friendly, dumb ones, <laughs> the ones that don't have that survival instinct. Mm. Um, the ones that are smart and that are going to survive a lot longer out there are the ones that you don't see. They're just going to run. They're going to run. The one who comes up to you friendly is and likely not scratch you, right? a friendly cat. Uh, More who's than likely, no. Yeah. I mean, the feral, They're going to try to avoid cats, you. The feral cats avoid you more than they scratch you, correct? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, I mean, it's very, very few incidences I've ever heard of of a feral cat attacking somebody. Um, because, again, it's a survival thing to hide and stay away from you. You're the danger. You're right. the predator. And, and so they, they stay hidden. Um, it's the, the friendly um, social kids that um, are out there by no choice of their own. Right. And they get taken in and, of course... 70% of uh, in general, die, but if, if they think that you're a feral cat, you're, you're really done for. Yeah, you have no chance. You have absolutely no chance. So yeah. what is trap, neuter, return? I know this is a huge subject. You guys are, I mean, at Best Friends, doing a tremendous job on it. We're going to talk about Best Friends Cat World in a second, but tell us about trap, neuter, return. How does it work? Um, TNR, trap, neuter, return, is, a, is the best and uh, most uh, effective way in dealing with the cat overpopulation. You go into a colony area, you trap, and you, your goal is to trap 100%. Um, some people say 80, and I always say, no, no, your goal is 100. You want to make sure you get all of them, and sometimes it's hard, but you get them all fixed, and that will help stabilize that area. Um, then the new cats won't move in, and new babies won't be born. So you, you get the cats, uh, supposedly 100%, as you said. You bring them in, you, you trap them, obviously. You neuter them, and you return them back. Right. And, and has that worked? In, I mean, is there a geography that's been effective in so you can use it as a model? Yeah, it's, you know, it's working in a lot of different areas all over the country, obviously. But what has to be done is it has to be done fully. And it has to, you have to have caregivers that will um, be able to spot cats that um, have been missed and, um, and, and make sure that, that the colony is um, being overlooked by somebody so, so you are you're managing them rather than just fixing them and walking away. So now, um, who should be doing this? Do you think that this should be a job that the animal control does it? Do you think, do you think this should be a separate organization? And if that's the case, who's going to pay for it? Yeah, no, I think this is um, up to us individuals out there. Um, there is a lot of wonderful people out there currently right now as we speak roaming around in the dark and putting food out for these guys. I think it's uh, up to us to engage them and get them on board, and they can be part of the solution. Um, because if you're feeding a cat, you need to fix that cat. Otherwise, you're a part of the problem. And do they ear right. tip the males and the females? or yes, just they the, do. They do. They do. So, so your point is that this is an individual responsibility, a part of your heart, and it's going to cost you some money, right? How much does it cost to get the, to get, get a cat neutered, typically? That, that's a really good question. That varies from um, state to state. Uh, here, you know, in Utah, we have um, the cats are $25, but there's often free spade-neuter programs around the country. Um, there's often large clinics around the country that, that do just um, free uh, spay neuters. There's, they're, they're gener- ge- uh, excuse me, they're generally granted by um, different organizations, nonprofit and or even city money. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Florida is a very good example. They have um, done the most amazing thing. They have actually made it policy feral cats don't die in the Jacksonville shelter anymore. Wow, that's wow, great. Wow, that's incredible. That's yeah, great. Yeah, and what happens is those cats come in um, through, through, the, you know, through the shelter. They come into sh- um, in traps and things like that. They are instead um, taken to, they are instead taken to um, a clinic where they're spayed, neutered, vaccinated, and then they're returned to their neighborhoods. And wow. that's the policy. And that has saved Jacksonville this last year $150,000 not killing cats. Wow. You know, so, I love your perspective, Shelley. I absolutely love it. 
personal responsibility. Don't get the government involved. Don't get you know state money. I mean, if the state is is generous enough to throw something your way, but it's your personal responsibility. You're saying you see a cat, you're feeding the cat, you feel bad for the cat because he's cold, he's lonely, he's out there and he's hungry, and you're giving him food. Do something really good for the cat. Neuter him. And pay him out of the pocket if you have to. If there's nobody around you that's generous enough or the state is cheap, like they are in New York, um, you know, so pay it out of your pocket. Do, do the right thing. That's what you're saying, right? Personal that's responsibility. That's exactly what I'm saying. And actually, to be honest, New York has got some pretty good programs there um, for free spade neuter. You just have to be able to hook up with the right um, group. Right, right. I, I totally love your approach, that it is all about the individual's heart and not the state stepping in because they will make a mess of it. Yeah. You give it to the shelters, trust me, it will become a mess. Well, so, and, yeah, and I agree. And, and, and Jacksonville has actually kind of taken a twist on that. They have, um, it is the nonprofits, the individuals, and the city um, has finally decided and realized that it, um, it is not our taxpayer dollars that should be paying to kill these cats. Oh, okay. um, and, and they are now, it's a self-sustainable program because they save so much money not euthanizing, they are now able to um, fund this program on their own. I love that. I love the perspective. Tell us about, we're, gonna, we're running out of time, tell us about Best Friends Cat World. <laughs> oh, it is amazing. And if you ever have a chance and opportunity to be here um, in Kanab and visit the sanctuary, you absolutely should take it. Cat World is a little bit of heaven for um, the kitties that... Um, probably would otherwise not do so well um, in regular homes or even um, out there on the streets. That's it so is, great. Um, a multitude of buildings that are filled with um, kitties of all types, and there's probably about, I don't think there's about 12 different buildings up there. They have wow. indoor and outdoor um, enclosures with lots and lots of fun pl- place, place spaces. How many them. cats? I think there's around 500. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm going to come out there. We have a very a close relationship with best friends, of course, and, and we're going to come out to Utah as soon as the snows melt. You know? <laughs> when <laughs> is that? That's time. <laughs> <laughs> which is what? Uh, 15 days a year? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I said, which is what? 15 days a year? <laughs> yeah. Actually, the snow was pretty bad this year, um, but you'll definitely have a better time in the spring and summer. Spring and summer. Yeah, it's on our list to visit. It's definitely, well, no, no, it's, it's on the top yeah. of the list yeah. to visit. You know, we're definitely going to go see because it just seems like such a fun place. Uh, for animal lovers, it just seems like um, cool you know, Disneyland for animal lovers. It is, you, you know? know, and it's also surrounded by the most beautiful country. They're, we're located in one of the most beautiful scenic canyons in um, the area in southern Utah. And uh, you can add that to your list um, of vacations because you've got the Grand Canyon, you've got oh. Bryce. Um, yeah. yeah, you can make it a well-rounded um, trip out here. No, well, you know what? We are not Shelley? coming home with any pets. The, the thing I want <laughs> to can I just say that right see. now? The yeah, thing you I know really what? you'll feel good about leaving there, even if you can't take anybody home. You, yeah. you know what? The thing I really want to go out there to see, besides of course Disneyland for dogs and cats, um, is my good friend John Polis. Of course, I'm sure you know from uh, Best Friends. Yeah, uh, told me a little secret about Knob. Um, he said that there is a police car parked at one end of Main Street, mm-hmm. and there's another one parked on the other side, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he With said, and he's got inside of it a dummy, a, a dummy, a dummy. policeman, both yeah. of the cars. But yeah. how many times does that actually work no. on people? <laughs> Is this true, or was he just giving it to me? Anybody new coming into town. But what you also find is somebody will stop to ask him a question. <laughs> <laughs> and realize, and then you'll see them whipping out their cameras. <laughs> and, and and once in a while, that he responds. And hey, then can that's you send us a picture of that? Wally, the policeman. I you know? sure can. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Thank we really, you. We really appreciate it. It's been a very enlightening show on cats for us today. and we Shelly, hope you're a tremendous guest. Thank you. Thank you for getting up early in the morning over there or, or not going to sleep, more like. <laughs> and thank <laughs> you. Place. I think it's a great story that you guys have. I can't wait to meet you out there in person. Great and work you're doing world. with the cats all across the country. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. And, and um, there's all kinds of new fun stuff coming up. Keep the, uh, the Tangier Island is a big project coming up, so... Um, keep looking out for that big story. We'll Tangier that. Island. Okay, tell us uh, quickly, what is it? Uh, the Tangier Island is a little tiny island off the coast of Virginia out in Chesapeake Bay. Um, it's the oldest, um, one of the oldest uh, communities or, um, in, in the United States, one of the oldest English dialects. Um, they've been there since 1600. And they have, um, I just did a kitty census on the island, and I counted just over 400 cats um, on the island, but there's only 500 people. Whoa. <laughs> How do you do a census? Wow. We have to oh, it was up. a lot of fun. And this is an island without any vehicles. 
Oh, wow. So, like so we have we have to look out for that. Yeah. So you want to send us some more information because it sounds fascinating. I you want to email us some it. stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Shelly. Thank you so much. We're going to cut the station back, and we'll be right back with the Cats in Danger Radio Hour. Hey, Brenda. What's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are in shelters waiting for families. Meanwhile, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies each year to be sold in pet stores or over the Internet for profit. Dogs and puppy mills never feel the touch of a kind hand or grass under their paws. They're forced to have litter after litter to produce puppies for sale in pet stores at high prices. At the same time, many dogs lose their lives in shelters because people choose to buy rather than adopt their pet. Best Friends is working with you and with Humane groups all across the country to bring about a time when every animal has a loving home and there are no more homeless pets. Through their puppy mill incentive, thousands of dogs have been rescued from lives of suffering and have become part of loving families. And you can help save even more. Text the word DOG to 90999 to give $5 to Best Friends Animal Society and help save the life of a puppy mill dog. Together, we can make the dream of no more homeless pets come true. Message and data rates may apply. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Welcome back. And each week on the radio show, we feature a dog from the Dogs in Danger website. And uh, I'm sorry, even though uh, we did a show on cats today, we don't have any cats on the Dogs in Danger website. And so um, so we're bringing you uh, the featured dog of today, who's promoted by Christina Boards in Boulder, Colorado. So thank you, Christina, for giving this dog a little extra help. He's a male dachshund. His name is Brutus, and he's at the Springfield Dog Pound in Springfield, Colorado. And I have a phone number here, 719 and that's also on our website. You can just search Colorado and Brutus will come up or you can go to the Radio Hour page and you'll see his picture there. And uh, the shelter says, uh, this little dog is good-natured. Um, he needs a little training because he likes to wander off. Well, I think a leash will solve that problem and a lot of people uh, have wandering dogs that they have to keep safely contained. He looks so very sad in the picture. And uh, I'm sorry that the radio doesn't bring you the... Um, the pictures because a picture is worth a thousand words. Can I see the picture? Yeah, there you go. Let me see. I always like little dachshund. Yeah, he's very. Oh cute. my god! Look at that nose. He looks like a French Louis King, you know. Yeah. He's got that long, long dachshund nose. Wow, he looks so sad. Let's in this hope picture. he gets uh, his. Uh, yeah, Brutus did not home. have a, a good outcome in Roman Colorado. history. Um, Brutus did not make it very far after he killed Caesar. Uh, this Brutus did not kill anybody, so don't let this Brutus die. Okay, help him. What a great show. What a great guest. Thank you to all our cat people. Thank you for joining us. Uh, keep the movement going. I told you guys last week, it's happening in front of you. The world is changing. A no-kill America is around the corner. And in that no-kill America is no-kill for cats. You can't make it no-kill by killing cats. Millions and millions. And that's going to come to an end. And this show, hopefully, is a little bit of a progress bar on a long bar. And next week, 